It is Palm Sunday, although I'm not going to talk about Palm Sunday this morning. I'm going to share a little bit on Friday night uh, about Palm Sunday. Just some, some, at least one unique thing. Just so you know, uh, when we do Good Friday service, what we do, what I do, <laughs> what we do, I push the chairs to the side, I put tables right down the middle, and I put goodies on the table. I put, oh, fruits, grapes, and crackers, and bread, and oil with, with um, Mediterranean herbal seasoning, so you can dip your bread in that, gluten-free things, um, who knows, All, just different, olives, yes, I have gotten olives, and cheese, and things like that, and so what we do is, we'll probably do it a little bit differently, but we'll come in, we'll sit down, and I'll share a little bit, I don't, I haven't made the program yet, I haven't figured out exactly what I'm doing, I have ideas, but I haven't put it all together yet. But we'll do a little bit of talking, maybe some sharing, and then we just get up and grab some food. And then sit down, when while you're eating, I'll share a little bit more. And, uh, and then we'll get up again if you want some more, and get up and get some more, and then sit down again. And so it's just, and the whole, my whole thinking in this, when I started this, however many years ago I started it, um, was that the disciples had no idea what Jesus was going to go through in the next couple of days. They had no idea. And so they're all just enjoying a meal together. It wasn't Passover yet. Passover was the next day. It was the day before Passover. And so they were sharing the meal together, and yet Jesus knew what was happening. They didn't know what was happening. And it was just a very relaxed time when he introduced communion, the cup and the bread and the cup. And so I just, just try to get a little bit of that feel on Good Friday and just share some things that are different, some things that maybe I haven't. I always try to look for new things that I haven't shared before to share on a Friday night, Good Friday, so that it's like, wow, that was neat. So I enjoy digging for things like that. So that's what we do on Friday night. The, the palm fronds that are here, Fran got those for us. And thank you, Fran, for doing that. There are some in the, in the foyer, and so if you want to take a, a palm frond with you to go home, or if you want your kids, if you want your, I let, wait until they're gone, if you want your children to have one, you can take, they can each have one, that would be fine. Um, I think that's it. This is interesting, I'm just, I, I don't want to take up too much time. Um, a few weeks ago... I don't remember, it might have been the beginning of last month when I spoke one time and I talked about that missionary in Argentina who the Lord had him pray for a year and then he had prayer meetings and then, and then um, there was a lady there kept feeling pressed that she was supposed to bang on the table and she didn't do it and so for three nights she wouldn't do it and finally she did and, and revival broke out it flowed out of that church well what, what I didn't know and what you didn't know and what we all didn't know is that Loretta Evans and her husband knew that man they knew him when they were in Oregon so I heard afterwards that, well I know this fellow I know that we knew, knew him from Oregon I'm like are you kidding me <laughs> so that was really cool and then, uh, this is just another little tidbit of, do you remember uh, Dominic and 
what was her name, Thea? Thea, Thea Muir from England when they were here. The very next week they left and they went to a church in Chesapeake, Virginia, which is actually a church that's in our network, in one focused network. Um, I saw it on Facebook and they were at the beach. And then they went to Moravian Falls. Eventually they got to Moravian Falls and they stayed, stayed at Gary Oates' house. I don't know if you know who Gary Oates is, but Gary Oates is a pastor. <laughs> I've read his book. I was in the very church. Anyway, uh, I'm getting distracted. Gary Oates is a pastor who, and he had five families leave his church. And he's just like, God, I need some encouragement. He went on a missions trip with Randy Clark. He went to Volto Volto Hedondo, which is where I went when I went uh, on a mission trip with Randy. And the church is a big tent. It's a blue and white striped tent. I think they built a building now, but it was this huge tent. 3,000 people come to the church. And when he was there, he said, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see what you're doing. And all of a sudden, he could see angels. And then the Lord start, just took him out of his body. You can read in his book. The book is called Open My Eyes, Lord. The Lord started taking him up. I just started floating. He started going up. And it scared him. And he came back down. So he said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So the Lord took him into heaven. The Lord explained things to him when he was in heaven. He came back and he was a puddled mess on the, on the stage. I won't go into all the details. But ever after that, when he's in meetings from time to time, God shows him angels. He sees angels. He knows when God's, he knows if they're healing angels. He knows if they're worshiping angels. He knows if they're warrior angels. And he says whenever he sees a healing angel behind somebody, he calls it out and the person gets healed. Now that, I know that's kind of out there, but it sounds like Bible to me. It sounds like Bible to me. So that's Gary Oates. So Dominic and his wife and their son went to stay with Gary Oates. And I thought, I'm jealous. <laughs> but anyway, God wants to open up more and more things to us. And I think that he's moving. Do you appreciate that I'm sending a daily HSI? <laughs> uh, if you're not getting a daily HSI, it means I don't have your email address. And if you want to just sign a list on the table back there, I'll send you those things to remind you to continue to pray the scriptures we start with week two pray it as often as you as you want do whatever you want with those sheets too if you have a digital in digital form because i did send it out that way and you want to put your own translations in you can do that Um, if you go to bible gateway or some some online uh, bible website you can copy and paste the version that you want replace it if you want whatever you want and you can respond to me, too. I mean, it's not like a blog. It's not a blog. It's just an email. But if you want to respond to me and just say, you know, I saw this verse. What about this? What about this? I'd like to hear from you, too. You're welcome to do that. So what I want to do this morning is I'm, I'm just going to talk about uh, two stories from the Bible and healing. This isn't this, I, just, I just want to stay with the theme to encourage us. It's not like this is going to be necessarily be anything really new, but I... But I want us to be focused on that and, and God's goodness and what he wants to do. So we're going to go into the Old Testament. We're going to go in 2 Kings chapter 5. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is a story of Naaman the leper. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now, I want you to notice one thing. 
there to shake us a little bit out of our Christianese thinking. Aram wasn't a kind of an enemy of, of Israel. And as we read the rest of the story, we realize that they sent raiding parties against Israel and took captives. And Naaman had a young girl, one of his servants, that he took from Israel into his family. So, you know, they're antagonistic. But look what it says. The Lord had given Aram great victories. The Lord gave Aram the ability to take captives from Israel. You hear what I'm saying? In a way, it was like, um, come on, people, wake up. <laughs> you know, I want to be your protection. I want to be your reward. But there's times when the people were so far away from God, and we'll actually kind of get hints of that in the story, that the Lord, the Lord gave Aram great victories, gave Naaman great victories. The Lord gave him. The Lord works through people that don't even know him. And he seems to do that a lot, and we shouldn't be surprised by that. We shouldn't be surprised by that. He can use... Oh, I won't go there. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, Samaria, Samaria was the capital of Israel, was the northern tribes. Jerusalem was the capital of Judah, the southern tribes. So this is the northern tribe. This is Israel. <clears throat> so Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Because Naaman had favor with the king, the king really liked Naaman. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying his gifts, 750 pounds of silver. 150 pounds of gold, 10 sets of clothing, and the letter of the king of Israel, the letter to the king of Israel said, "With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy." When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, "Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me, just looking for an excuse to attack us." So you see where the king of Israel is. He has not a clue about the prophet Elisha, what's possible, what God might want to do. Not a clue. Not a clue. But when Elisha, verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went to, with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Elisha didn't go to meet him. Elisha didn't go out to, you know, to get pats on his back like, hey, I'm talking to the king or the, the commander of the armies of Aram, which is like Syria. <clears throat> Gets this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. That's kind of like, say, praise Jesus and swallow. Or say potato chips. You know, it, it, 
go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. And so, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. And he said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Parfar better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. What was Naaman's problem? He expected God to do this in a particular way. He expected him to, he, he probably thought in his mind, okay, this is the way it's going to happen. And, he, and, and it had to be that way. And when it wasn't, and when the, the prophet didn't even come out to see him, as if to say, your issue's no big deal, or you're a foreigner, or I don't care about you, or, you know, just didn't, didn't really honor him the way he thought he should be honored. The prophet was trying to honor him by giving him his healing. <laughs> he, was, he was telling him basically what the Lord had revealed to Elisha to tell him. And he was going to honor him, just go wash in the Jordan. You know, just go do that and you'll be healed. You'll get what you're asking for. But these, you see how we, our thinking needs to change. Our, our thinking, would you do something with me? Uh, this isn't even in my notes. Close your eyes. I'm going to do this with you. Close your eyes and just think of, just look at Jesus' face. Whatever picture you have, if you have a, a visual image of Jesus, if there's a painting or a picture or somebody's picture, just look, just look at that in your mind. Just look at that for a little bit. And I want you to just focus on him for a little bit. You know, when I do that, I can't, I can't help. I can't help. Keep your eyes closed and just keep, just keep staring at the Lord. Just look into his eyes. I can't help but think, Lord, you're amazing. You're so amazing, Jesus. When I think about who you are, what you've done, the, the miracles, when I look at the way that you dealt with people, when I look at the way that you dealt with opposition, when I, when I think about you spoke the word and created the worlds, and I am... I am face to face with you right now. And it's just me and you. It's just me and you. Who am I that I have this privilege to come into your presence? You're just amazing. Thank you for loving me the way that you do. Thank you for allowing me to just spend time in your presence. Man, okay. Come back. Come back. Um, it, it is that kind of posture before the Lord that begins to work in our, our minds to make us more sensitive to his presence so that when he speaks to us, we hear him. When he gives us impressions, we know it's him and we can follow him. And the other thing that's really, that I think that, that happens when we spend time in his presence. That why, that's why I sent that song out that I did. Anybody listen to that song? Um, where it's just like that close, that um, secret, intimate friendship 
with Jesus that God desires for us. Um, Jesus had that kind of relationship with his father. He had that kind of relationship that was just he and the father. So here's, here's, here's why that's so important. Not only will God transform us as we focus on Jesus that way and just worship him. And, and, and that song kind of helps me at times. As a matter of fact, I've been, I've been um, playing it before I have my reading my scripture. I just listen to that song just to get in that secret place with him. And then I read. Sometimes I'll play it while I'm reading scripture too. Um, anyway, um, what, what happens is when you continue to spend time with Jesus in that way, it makes it easier to get there when you need to. Do you know what I mean? Things can be swirling all around you and go, you know what? I need to go have some face time. <laughs> I need to go have some face time with Jesus and just... And you know what? It changes everything. And that, that doesn't necessarily change the circumstances, but it changes our perspective. on. Anyway, that wasn't in the script. Um, so Naaman is angry and he, le- and he left. But his officers, verse 13, says, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he sim- says simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. But Elijah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Skip to verse 19. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home. But Gehazi... The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. He should pay something. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off after Naaman. And when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. And is everything all right, Naaman asked. And yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave them two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. What a doofus. (laughs) What? What were you thinking? Anyway, when he, went, when he went into his master, Elijah asked him, where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere. He's making it worse. But Elijah asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Now, there's an interesting, there's an interesting statement. Do you see that? Don't you realize that there's another way of saying it. Don't you realize that my spirit was with you when, when Naaman got down from his chariot? What's that about? His spirit was there. His spirit knew what was going on. And 
If Old Testament prophets could be instructed that way, if their spirits could do that, shouldn't we, the, the new creation people, be aware that the truth of the matter is our spirits do that, we just don't realize it. We just don't realize it because we're not quite connected. Our soul and our spirit isn't quite connected the way it should be. But I just, I'm like, okay, when I see this stuff, I'm like, uh. But just a couple points about this story. Then we're going to go to a story in the New Testament, and that'll be shorter. Um, God does things the way he wants to. Like, and Gail, your example of healings at the prison just ties in with all this, of being sensitive to him and just, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you want to do? How do you do this? Um, and it is so important to listen to his voice. For Naaman, the Lord's voice came through the prophet Elisha. And sometimes the silliest idea probably is God. He does silly things. Why does he do silly things? Because he want, at times he wants to offend our reasoning, our intelligence. He wants to offend our minds because our minds get in the way. This is Bill Johnson. You know what Bill Johnson said about our minds? He says he, has to, he, he talks to his mind every once in a while. He talks to his mind. He says, mind? Sometimes he'll lay his hands on his head. He'll go, Mind? You're a wonderful servant, but you're a poor master. You're a wonderful servant, but you're a poor master. Submit to my spirit. Listen to my spirit. Let my spirit be in control, not my mind. And so sometimes God offends our mind so that he can get through to to get to the truth of what we really need. And And God's not afraid to offend us in that way. And and the final point in this is that obedience is so important to what he calls us to do. Obedience to maybe the silly things that he calls us to do. The next story, this will do quickly. This is just a story that's been going through my mind, and I have, I'm going to, I actually really like this story, but not for the normal reasons. If you've been around me, you know that I'm not normal. I'm I'm A.B. Normal. Remember the young Frankenstein, A.B. Normal? The A.B. Normal? Never mind. (laughs) Too long ago. Luke 8. But as he went, this is about Jesus, the multitude thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood in physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, the reason this is really awesome, and I love the fact that this story is in the Bible. I'm so glad God put this story in the Bible. I'm glad that we have the details of this story in the Bible because it really makes me feel really, really good. Um, and for this reason, last week we read in John chapter five, and Jesus said it a couple times, not just in John five, but other places. He said, "I only do what I see my Father doing, and I only say what I hear my Father saying." 
what happened in this story is that God the Father pulled the fast one on Jesus. Jesus didn't know what was happening. You get it? Lady walks up behind him, and Jesus says, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, multitude strong and press you and say, who touched me? Jesus didn't have a clue. Now, wait a minute. Jesus always knew. He always knew what he was supposed to because he saw the Father doing it. Someday I may preach a sermon on the day that the Father pulled the fast one on Jesus. I just kind of like that. It's like people going, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound right. But he did. And, and Jesus, in verse 46, says, but Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw, that's not what I want, that's not what I want to do. Um, Peter, Peter said, um, master, the multitude strong and press you and say, who touched me? Where's, I'm looking for something. Uh, oh, I, I know. Verse 4. Jesus said in verse 45, and Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude strong and press you. And you say, Who touched me? How many of you see this story going very quickly? Like the woman touches her, Jesus' power went out. Who touched me? Oh, here she is. And he says, Go in peace. Your faith is. But what it says is, all, Jesus, who touched me? And all denied. How many is all? How long does it take to check with all? How long does it take? Did you touch him? Did you touch? Who touched Jesus? Did anybody touch him? Do you understand what I'm saying? And Jesus wouldn't let it go. He wouldn't let it go. It's like, somebody touched me. I want to know who touched me. And finally, the lady realizes that she's not going to get away with it. She finally realizes that he's serious about finding out who touched him. And she says, it was me. And his reaction is not, who told you to touch me because you snuck up on me and that wasn't supposed to happen because the father didn't tell me about it. I didn't know. He doesn't say that. He says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You see his reaction even in all that. Now, what his conversation was like in the father when he got together with him later, I don't know. Like, why did you do that? But here's why it's, this is why it blesses me. This is why I love this story. When he said, I only do what I see my father doing, I can't do anything apart from the father. I only do what he does, and I only say what he says. He meant it. And there's our example. He couldn't heal people unless the father was healing them. He couldn't speak the words of truth to the people unless the father gave him those words. He didn't work out of his own power. He worked out of the power that the father gave him. So when he recognized that power had gone out of him and he didn't know about it, he's like, wait a minute, this isn't normal. You get it? And so that's, I, I love this because what it means is that what he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I can put it this way. I'm going to try. And you can yell at me later. He was as helpless to do the works of God as we are, apart from the Spirit of God working through him. In other words, he he was at the same place that we are. He never sinned, we sinned, and that's the difference. 
And so when I saw that, I, I, you know, it's one of those random thoughts that just came into my head a couple weeks ago, and I was just thinking about it. Wait a minute, he didn't know. And as I thought about it, that gives me a lot of hope. Now, now what I need is to get the, to know the Father so well that I see what he's doing and I hear what he's saying so I can release that to people. Okay. All right, I'm done. We're going to do one thing yet. Those are just um, passages. Those are stories of healings with just a few comments. And, and um, you know, the more, that we, the more that we focus on the Lord and the more that we um, seek him and pursue him, he will, he will lead us places. He will have us do things. He will make us more aware of his presence and, um, and this, the Holy Spirit will flow through us in ways that we've never seen before. And so we want him to open up our eyes. We want him to reveal things to us. We want him to... Um, I want to partner with him in everything that he wants to do. So let's, let's, these are, I pulled out three verses from our scripture coming up for week two. Can you bring the first one up? And let's just say it together. Psalm 107, verse 19 and 20. Together. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Go to the next one. Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. All. Next one. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. And so uh, continue to speak these prayers. Uh, that, that little thing that I put out last night on Nassau, did you read the, the thing from Nassau? It's N-A-S-A, uh, which means to lift up. It's a Hebrew word to lift up, which... Um, Actually, it's, there are words that kind of, if you were to read the, the Hebrew New Testament, there's actually a Hebrew New Testament. When Jesus is on the cross and it talks about that he, he took our sins, it's that same word in saw. he lifted up our sins on the cross. But isn't it interesting that our, <laughs> what, are we, what do we think of when we see NASA? Nassau, what do they do? They lift up. Isn't that amazing? They didn't know they were doing that. <laughs> but continue to lift up the verses. We start week two. We start week two of the verses. Hopefully you're encouraged. Read them as many times as you're able to throughout the day. Um, I'm reading them here. Artie and I are doing them together. And uh, let's just continue to press in. Um, and allow him to change our thinking, change the way that we, what we want is heaven's perspective. Heaven's perspective, how God sees us. And we want to come into alignment with his will and his purposes. Amen. Let's pray. Father, 
open our eyes. Worship team can come up.